Amen. It is a great prayer to pray. Help me understand it. Help me to take it in what it meant for thee, the Holy One, to bear away my sin. Mark's Gospel this evening for our Bible reading, the Gospel of Mark, and the chapter 15. Mark chapter 15. And I announced this morning that for a few Lord's Day evenings we want to come uh, to Calvary and to consider Calvary, meditations upon the cross. And we come this evening to Mark chapter 15. We're going to break into this chapter at the verse 15. Mark 15 and the verse 15. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole band, and they clothed him with purple and plaited a crown of thorns and put it about his head and began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him on the head with a reed and did spit upon him and bowing their knees, worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him and put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. And they compel one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. And they bring him on to the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of a skull. And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them, what every man should take. And it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the superscription of his accusation was written over the king of the Jews. And with him they crucified two thieves, the one on his right hand and the other on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And they that passed by reeled on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. And come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking said among themselves with the scribes, He saved others, himself he cannot save. Let Christ the King of Israel descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him reviled him. And when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, 
Lama Sabachthani, which is being interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of them that stood by when they heard it said, Behold, he calleth Elias. And one ran and filled a sponge full of vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink, saying, Let alone, let us see whether Elias will come to take him down. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. And the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. Amen. We'll end there at verse 38. May the Lord add his own blessing to this public reading from his own precious and infallible word. Amen. And we're turning together this evening in God's word to Mark chapter 15, the portion that we have read a section from. Mark chapter 15, and considering Calvary and some of the details that are given to us in the Gospels, I want to take as my text for this evening the words of verse 23. Verse 23, and it says, And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. And looking at this particular detail at Calvary, we entitled the message tonight, The Drink Refused. The Drink Refused at Calvary. Let us just unite together to seek the help of the Lord and that he would speak to our hearts from his precious word this evening. Our gracious, our loving Heavenly Father, we come to thee with that humility of heart and we come to thee with that godly fear. And we thank thee that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we pray, O God, tonight, if there be any who would listen to thy word and to our outside of Christ, that thou wouldst grant to them that reverence, that godly fear within their heart tonight, though that they would come as a sinner to the Savior, they would taste and see that the Lord is good. We pray that as we come to these considerations of Calvary, that they would be a blessing to each of our hearts, and even as thy children, we would be strengthened in the Lord our God. And thou wouldst be pleased, our Father, even to speak powerfully to hearts this evening, and close us in now to thee. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ was sentenced to death by crucifixion. And as was the procedure before he would be crucified, he would be scourged. And so the Lord Jesus Christ was whipped with the cat of nine tails. And our reading tonight shows also that the Lord Jesus Christ was mocked before he was crucified. They plaited that crown of thorns. They placed it upon his head. They put the purple robe upon him. They were smiting him with the reed. They spat upon the Savior. They bowed down in mock worship of him. And having gone through these various things, 
They then take the purple robe off the Savior. They put his own clothes back upon him and they bring him to the place called Golgotha. And from our Bible reading, we've learned that Golgotha means the place of a skull. Said it was given that particular name because the rock there was shaped like a skull. And so they've brought the Savior to Golgotha and they have brought him there to crucify him. And just at that very point, before they crucify the Savior, just before he will be nailed to the tree, they offer him a drink. There in the words of her text in verse 23, it says there, They gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. Maybe in reading your Bible, that could be a detail that would be almost overlooked and you would just read on. And yet we must remember that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and all Scripture is there for our instruction. Nothing is contained in the word of God without importance or without significance. And so here we have this particular drink. It would seem that as you compare the different gospel writers that the Lord was offered drink on a number of occasions, at least three. And here in our text we would have that first occasion just before the crucifixion and it seems that this particular drink was offered by way of mercy. It was like an act of compassion for those who were about to suffer, those who were about to be crucified. This was an act of mercy. They were offered this drink. The second occasion whenever the Lord was offered drink. It was offered in mockery. It was offered by the soldiers in Luke chapter 23 and the verse 36 says, And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar. And so the soldiers, as part of their mocking of the Lord Jesus Christ, they were offering him a particular drink drink that was offered in mercy, a drink that was offered in mockery. And then the third occasion, the drink that was offered by way of a misunderstanding. If you glance on down our Bible reading this evening where it comes to the point where the Lord uh, utters that loud cry, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, And whenever they heard that cry, some of them that stood by, verse 35 says, when they heard it said, Behold, he calleth Elias. They misunderstood. They thought when the Lord cried out, he was calling for Elijah to come and to rescue him and to take him down from the cross. But verse 36 says, at that very point, one ran and filled a sponge full of vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink, saying, let alone, let us see whether Elias will come and take him down. And so they offered him the drink at that point as well. So there are at least these three 
occasions. But our focus tonight is to the first one. The text of Scripture there in Mark 15 and the verse 23. Just before the Savior would be lifted up upon that center tree, this drink is offered to him. And it's interesting to consider it together in the gospel this evening. Firstly, we think about the reference to the drink. And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh. The drink they were offering to the Lord here was a mixture. It says that there was wine mingled with myrrh. It's good to always compare the gospel writers. And in Matthew chapter 27, which is the parallel portion and the very same reference to the very same point, Matthew says in Matthew 27 and 34, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And so Mark says it was wine mingled with myrrh, and Matthew says it was vinegar mingled with gall. Well, the wine and the vinegar were one and the same thing. It was just like a a sour wine. But the myrrh that was added was by way of fragrance. The myrrh was added by way of a flavor. But there's gall. Matthew says it was vinegar mingled with gall. And gall in the Bible is a reference to bitterness. And so whatever was in that cup was a mixture that was very bitter. And the myrrh was probably added to try and and to tone that down and to flavor it that bit. It's a bitter cup. The only other time in the Gospels or in the New Testament that that word gall is actually used, you can see the connection with bitterness. It's Acts chapter 8 and it's the verse 23. And there uh, we read, For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And whatever it was that was in that cup that was offered to the Savior and it was containing gall, the gall is bitterness. It was a bitter cup. You compare it with the Old Testament scriptures. The Old Testament mentions that gall. And in fact, it connects it with the wormwood of the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy chapter 29 And there in the verse 18, it says, Lest there should be among you man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turneth away this day from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of those nations, lest there should be among you a root that beareth gall and wormwood. And gall and wormwood there being linked together. And over in Lamentations, the chapter 3 and the verse 15, another interesting verse in connection with this. He hath filled me with bitterness. He hath made me drunken with wormwood. And you can see all of these references uh, coming together. And you can see there this particular cup that was being offered to the Lord. 
The cup with the wine and the myrrh with the vinegar and with the gall. It was a cup of bitterness offered to the Lord in our text of Scripture. It's also interesting to note from the Old Testament Scriptures there, uh, the psalm numbered 69. And in psalm number 69 and the verse 21 It says, they gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. And there the psalmist David, hundreds of years before the Savior would even be born or would be nailed to the tree, the psalmist David is able to speak there and say, they gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. And so what we read about in our text of Scripture was something that was prophesied off from Old Testament times. And we can see the Scriptures here being fulfilled as we read in the Gospel of Mark and we pick up on the details there of Calvary. The prophetical words concerning the incarnation of Christ from his very birth right through to his death, they're fulfilled in the minutest of detail. And what that really underlines to us this evening is the accuracy of the Scriptures. That all of those things spoken of in the Old Testament Scriptures, right down to the very drink that the Lord Jesus Christ would be offered at the cross, it was all foreordained. It was all predetermined. And no wonder when Paul was writing to the Corinthians that he said in 1 Corinthians 15 and the verse 3 that the Lord Jesus Christ died according to the Scriptures. According to the Scriptures. And all of those Scriptures were being fulfilled. Also interesting to note that there in Acts chapter 3 and down to the 18th verse, Uh, where the Apostle Peter is the speaker and he's making reference to the Lord Jesus Christ and he's preaching of the sufferings of Christ. And he said in John 3 and in the verse 18, but those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled Peter says all the things that he had spoken of before through his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Do you see, my friend, this evening the great plan of redemption? Do you see the scriptures being fulfilled to the very last letter? Do you see the reference that we have even in our text of Scripture to the very drink? That they brought him that drink of wine mingled with myrrh. The reference to the drink. Then secondly, I want you to think about the reason for the drink. They brought him wine mingled with myrrh. Why? 
Why was the Lord Jesus offered that drink at this very point? Well, just there, before he was to be crucified, and we've indicated already it was by way of an act of mercy, it was a gesture of compassion. Any individual that was facing death by crucifixion, they would have been offered this drink. They're about to face a horrific death. Tradition actually tells us that it was the devout women of Jerusalem. Maybe even some of those women who had faithfully ministered to the Lord uh, through his life and ministry upon the earth. Devout women of Jerusalem who would have mixed this drink together and offered it to those who were facing uh, such a death. It was given in compassion said that their actions were actually based upon the words in Proverbs. And over in Proverbs, the chapter 31, and that's the chapter that speaks about the virtuous woman. And in Proverbs chapter 31, it refers to those who are about to perish. And there in the verse 6, it says, Give strong drink, Unto him that is ready to perish, and wine unto those that be heavy hearts. Let him drink and forget his poverty, and remember his misery no more. Those that are about to perish, give them strong drink. The drink, therefore, that the Savior was offered here was by way of an anesthetic. It was being offered to the Savior by way of pain relief. It was a stupefying drink, a drink that was given to dull the senses, that the individual would not be so conscious of the pain that they were about to undergo. It would help to deaden the pain. Today we're thankful for modern medicine. Today we would be thankful for the progress that has been made with drugs and drugs that can be administered in the right way to ease the dying bed. We're grateful for that. Thank God for that, for those that would be facing a, a painful death. There are those that can give those drugs and administer them to them that will ease and comfort the dying bed. But here in Bible times, it was this particular drink. Those who were going to face the pain and torment of the cross, the prospect of excruciating pain, that slow and prolonged death and unimaginable suffering, here was a cup. Oh, it was a bitter cup. But the reason that cup was given was to alleviate the pain and to make the cross that bit more bearable. And I can picture those well-intentioned women and coming out of compassion with an act of mercy. They have been watching the Savior. No doubt they are sympathetic to him. And perhaps they are coming to the Lord just at this moment before he is nailed to the tree. And he's a bloody spectacle. He has been scourged. He has been beaten. He has been mocked. He has been spat upon. He is, 
carried the cross and he has needed help to carry the cross. The Savior is weary. These women are saying to him, here's a drink. Take it. Drink it. It will help you. It's not the mocking soldiers who are coming and mocking him and offering him vinegar. No, this is an effort to help the Savior and to alleviate his pain and his suffering. That was the reason for this drink. Then I want you to think thirdly about the refusal of this drink. Because our text of Scripture makes it abundantly clear. He received it not. Oh, they came to him, and they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. Have you ever considered this detail in the Bible? Why did the Lord refuse this drink? Here was a drink designed to offer that little bit of relief that would have eased his his suffering to some degree. Here was something that could dull the senses. You'll not feel the pain. And he refused it. Didn't refuse it to impress those around him. That he was willing to suffer uh, without the drink to just to impress. That wasn't the point. He didn't refuse the drink to to draw further sympathy from others that were looking on. No, he refused the drink because he knew that he had to suffer. He refused the drink because he knew that he came into the world to suffer and to bleed and die upon that center tree. If you were to glance back in your Bible to the Gospel of Mark and to the chapter 8, and there it's the verse 31. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man, listen, must suffer. And as the Lord was seeking to enlighten his disciples, he was teaching them that the Son of Man must suffer many things. Be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He must suffer. In Mark chapter 9, the verse 12, And he answered and told them, Elias verily cometh first and restoreth all things, and how it is written of the Son of Man that he must suffer. He must suffer many things and be set at naught. The Lord Jesus Christ was in no doubt and he was making it clear to those around him that when he was going forward to the cross of Calvary and he would be lifted up upon the tree, he must suffer. And he must suffer the full force of sin's penalty. He must bear it all. Every stroke, every stroke of divine wrath must fall upon him. He must bear that punishment himself as he hung there upon the tree to complete the great work of redemption for the sinner. The Savior cannot stop short in any way to nullify his senses. 
to stupefy the senses by taking that cup, to mitigate the pain even by a fraction, would not make a full atonement, would not make a full satisfaction for sin. If Christ had partaken, if he had drunk from that cup before his sufferings, then our redemption would not have been paid in full. Satan had attacked the Lord throughout his life. All was sought to keep him from the cross. You remember when the Lord was telling his disciples that he must suffer, and Peter said, Be it far from thee, Lord. And the Lord had to say to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Satan trying to keep the Lord from suffering. And here, right at the very last, just before he's going to be nailed to the tree, oh, there's something that could dull the senses. There's something that could reduce the suffering. To do so, the Savior would not then make full satisfaction. Therefore, when the drink was offered, he received it not. He's going to go through with the suffering and the pain of Calvary. Maybe you would ask if you were noticing in our Bible reading, what about that other drink? Do you notice it in verse 36, moving down the chapter? And one ran and filled a sponge full of vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink, saying, let alone, let us see whether Elias will come to take him down. There's no record that the Savior refused that drink. What's the distinction between the two? It's indicated to us that this was vinegar. This was not the mixture. This was not the concoction. This was more to alleviate thirst. It wasn't going to nullify the senses in any way. Therefore, there's a distinction that can be made between the two. But the refusing of that first drink meant that the Savior was going to be faithful right on to death. He was going to suffer for our sins. He was going to bear the full load. He was going to pay the full penalty. He was going to bear the full punishment and pay that full price. Voluntarily, in refusing that cup that was presented to him, he was going to partake of another cup, and that was the cup of the wrath of God, and he drank it dry. Every last drop, he drank the very dregs of the cup of the wrath of God. But he refused that cup that would nullify his senses. The refusal of the drink. Fourthly and finally, the relevance of the drink. And that's really where we come tonight to the conclusion to the simple gospel application. And we notice from what we have looked at tonight that the work of redemption is now complete. The Lord Jesus Christ has suffered for sin and he has suffered the full force of the wrath of God. 
And he has finished the work. He died according to the scriptures. And every stroke was borne by Christ. All the suffering. Without any let up. Without any relief. That means tonight that the sinner. The sinner can see the Lord Jesus Christ. Has completed that work of redemption. And the sinner can come to rest by faith upon that work. That's the relevance tonight. Sinners are able to come and be saved this evening. They can look to the Lord Jesus Christ as the only refuge for their souls. And they can bow the knee and accept him as their Lord and Savior. And they can trust in him tonight knowing that his precious blood is able to cleanse from all sin. And oh, to come to the Savior and to know your sins forgiven and to know what it is to be cleansed, cleansed in the blood of the Lamb and to have peace with God tonight. And to know that peace within your soul, that if the Lord was to take the very breath from your body, it would be absent from the body, and it would be present with the Lord forevermore. Isaac Watts penned those beautiful words, When I survey the wondrous cross, On which the prince of glory died, my richest gain I count but loss, and poor contempt on all my pride. The last verse says, Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. And as we have considered Christ at Calvary tonight, what an amazing love it is. A love that's so amazing it demands our soul. It demands our life. It demands our all.